Welcome to the EDU Exchange Podcast, where Kelly and I hold conversations to help raise awareness, challenge our thinking, and encourage positive and thoughtful change. This podcast is set up as a discussion with multiple participants and no set script. It is not a typical interview, but more of a conversation where individuals can speak freely without fear of judgment about their personal stories and authentic challenges facing the EDU landscape. Today's topic is on physical violence. Deborah Hake, a high school teacher with over 20 years of experience, joins us to tell the traumatic event which occurred in her 11th grade classroom. We'd like to thank Deborah for sharing her personal story and hope it empowers others to do the same. Deb, we want to thank you for sitting down with us today and being willing to share your story. Thank you for having me. I'm really humbled that you guys even have me because I'm just one of many teachers and paraprofessionals that this is their story. I was attacked last year and I'm lucky because it was only happened to me once in 22 years, but there are paraprofessionals and teachers who work with special needs kids where it happens daily and it goes unreported. And probably who leave the profession. I feel very lucky because I came back and it's because of the same students who were there that day that I came back. And that's an emotional thing for me. Can you take us back to your classroom the day that it happened? Tell us what happened. It was the day before Halloween. The reason I know that is because I had the most ridiculous Halloween dress on just imagine just black and orange and ridiculous. As my daughter would say, it was cringy. So I remember it well. It was a day, this, this class was particularly challenging. It was after lunch. Most teachers can relate to that. Kids are especially active. They've had a half an hour of activity. It's hard for them to settle. And it was just one of those particular days where, as a teacher, I needed to make a point of their behavior being more respectful. This particular student actually came in, he's usually very respectful to me, but came in fine, came in, sat down, and we have you no know, cell phone policy in classrooms, answered his cell phone in class, answered his cell phone and started talking on his cell phone like, hey, what's up? what's going on, and my mouth dropped open, like, are you kidding me? I think I even said, are you kidding me right now? And I said, bring me your cell phone, and he very politely did bring me his cell phone initially. And I said, you can pick the cell phone up after school, or you can have an adult pick this up after school in the office. Um, I had just put it in the envelope. At that point, he, his eyes got big and he said, oh, hell no. And marched up to me and said, give me my effing cell phone. And I said, no. And that's when he pushed me. 
and I am not very big. I only am about five, three on a good day if I'm feeling rather confident. <laughs> and um, I barely weigh 120 wet. And, um, and, I, and I flew back and I hit a couple desks and I bounced off a countertop and I ended up landing with the back of my head against my tile floor. Deb, what grade level was this? This is 11th grade. And then how did the other students react? There were a lot of gaps and a lot of action. Um, the student who pushed me grabbed the cell phone and ran. A lot of students stood back. There were a lot of students who did go into action. I had two students who helped me medically, and this is where I will get emotional. I have, I won't say last names, but I will say first names just because they know, they'll know who they are. I have one student, Jake, who put a pillow under my head, as well as Ian, who helped me medically. I have um, two other students who I don't know their names, but they'll know who they are, who pushed the emergency button, who got emergency help to me immediately, including the police, our school nurse, and security. And they were, I mean, they were there to help me within minutes. Our, our, our school and our police first responders were there amazing. I didn't know how badly I was hurt until I got to urgent care. Were you aware of what was really happening? Um, the, there were two things that went through my head. One, the first thing was actually while I was in flight, because I flew, was, oh my God, I've actually been attacked. It's actually happened to me. And the second thought was my son. My son's a student here at my school. And the thought, my second thought was of him. And then, um, of course, then was the students who were in my class and oh. how they were reacting. So. What was running through your head about your son? How was he going to react to seeing me down? because I knew that this was going to be something he was going to see. Did he see it? Yes. Deb, that, one of the questions that um, I keep going back to in my head is, is your family, is your children? Mm -hmm. As a mom, myself, I just, my heart just keeps wondering, like, how did your family deal with this themselves as well? Your son seeing it for the first time. My son, you know, I just had this conversation with them knowing we were going to have this discussion. I, I know how, they re how I saw them react, but I wanted to ask them more. And my son, he said it was more of an in shock and that it had happened seeing me there. He, was, mm -hmm. he said he was scared in the initial, but once I was home, he felt more secure. And then he wasn't scared when I came back. My daughter had fears both when she saw me because my daughter didn't go to school with me at the time. So when she got a call that something had happened and we were picking her up, she had to wait time. And that was very difficult for her 
because she suffers from anxiety. And the unknown. And the unknown is terrible for her because she goes from zero to 60 in her head, you know, milliseconds. Also, me coming back as well, she said, was very difficult because there were students who had written statements that said that I had um, faked my fall. Oh wow. So her mind went to when I came back that there was going to be retaliation. Deb, how long were you out for before you were returned to the classroom? About three months. Knowing that I first read about this in a blog, I know you suffer from anxiety as well. What were your support mechanisms there that, that helped you get um, back into the classroom? I have a gr great family support, um, but I have to hand it to my support at Kaiser. They really worked with me and um, I do take medication for my anxiety and um, I do suffer from depression as well. And there, you know, it, it did, it was difficult for me right after the attack, especially to do things like go out to do grocery shopping when it was busy out. I'd have to go at times when it was less crowded I couldn't sleep at night. I still can't, I still get up at odd hours. Those are all, those are all symptoms of the anxiety and the attack. And those have been year long. So I would imagine that after this happened and when you were home for those 90 days plus, you thought about not coming back into the classroom or I'm sure other people had maybe said something to you along those lines. And again, I, I wanna thank you for bringing up a point earlier there are a lot of teachers in the trenches where this happens to them many times throughout their career. What brought you back? What brought me back were two things. One was a comment from my partner because I seriously, I had made a, a comment and it was a flippant comment because I, I really believed in my heart all along that I would come back. But I think I made a flippant comment just walking across the house one day that, you know, I should just find something else to do. What, what other things could I do? I should just retire, take an early retirement. And my partner said, I can't believe you would give up your life's work for one kid. And I had to reflect on all the work and every kid I had made and really made an effect on but the miraculous part were all the cards and gifts flowers emails that I got from the kids in that class and I remembered the way that the kids that did get the pillows and did hit the emergency button and who did write the reports honestly and the ones that weren't in my class who did send the nice emails and they were the ones who did help me come back. I have to say, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with how you're feeling and that the fact that there are so many wonderful 
children and students that outweigh the negative. They're the ones that make what we do worth it. And the fact that they stood up and just wanted to wrap their arms around you any way they possibly could, it's just so incredibly powerful. And I think, you know, through tragedy, a lot of times that's when you can reflect and you, and you get those messages of importance and self-worth from students and, and, and individuals who normally wouldn't probably have written you letters or wouldn't have told you how much you impacted them. So I'm sure you were thankful to feel that love. And I'm sure that was one of the reasons that you were able to go back. You had mentioned in your blog that when you returned, you almost felt that same classroom became one of your favorite ones. Could you speak about that a bit? Yeah, they, um, they, I almost made it myself a uh, pilgrimage <laughs> to, um, to win them over. I realized I was the only one who could sit down coming back. And that could be either a negative one or a positive one. So, and to do that, I needed to come in speaking their language. I needed to come in making it student-centered. And I completely found that between the Twitterverse, I have to give that complete credit because, you know, finding those little gems of what was the latest in teaching pedagogy, what was the latest in apps, what was the latest in helping me break the rules in classroom helping me bust out their phones because I was looking at them going, what, is, what has their attention? It was their cell phones. Okay, let's use their cell phones in class. What are you doing right now? Oh, you're playing Minecraft? Okay, I, I know that Brian Aspernall does Minecraft in classrooms. What can we do then that will keep your attention? Okay, we're going to do something with Minecraft then. Those are the things that with Twitterverse and I slowly won them over by doing it, doing it and flipping it and making it, making it their way. And we rocked it and they met me halfway. You know, I did a little of their stuff and then they did a lot more of my stuff and it was amazing. And we just had so much fun. I just, we just, it was just absolutely an amazing semester. And that, that really just speaks to the power of meeting students where they are. Kudos to you, uh, just an amazing person and teacher for being in the game 20 plus years and kind of reinventing it so that you can promote student engagement. I love the fact that you brought up rule breaking because there is still a lot of taboo around using cell phones and things in the classroom, but you can make the students more engaged and give them more power if you're using the technology the right way. You can, and what better time than to do it when you're tenure and when you've done it, you know, I, this is the best time for me. And I, you know, I have to give it to, I'm going to, I am going to name her at Diane Cordero on Twitter, who is my principal. I'm going to name her out loud because she is a principal who does growth mindset and does allow her teachers to to try new things. And if she came in and, and I had the cell phones out and I said, this is part of our lesson today and I could justify it, she would absolutely love it. And so I feel really free right now and to, to try new things. And 
I'm excited with what is going to be new on Twitter, what's going to be new that I can learn next. Have you found a lot of other teachers following your innovative ideas with cell phones? Do you find other teachers are pulling them out of the classroom as well and working with them? Oh, absolutely. Anna and I are teaming up this year. We're doing interdisciplinary, which I absolutely love. I don't think it should just be middle school who's doing interdisciplinary. I'm really trying to have that spread. This year, we're going to start out doing some book snap stuff at a training at the beginning. In the next month or two, at one of our trainings, we're going to show some of our cell phone stuff to the staff. So it's not just going to be in my classroom rule-breaking, but it's going to start being more district-wide rule-breaking, Sweetwater. Yeah, there I just said my district. Well, we would love to promote that and promote your principal, Diane. Anything we can do, obviously, you know your PLN is, is here for you. Deb, can I take you um, back to the student that attacked you? Yes. Did you have a conversation with him afterwards? Has there been closure, forgiveness? Is, like, what's, What did that look like? I have a funny reaction with that. I, and I believe it's with my anxiety. I forgive, I forgive him because I have to. I have to for myself. But there have been occasions, there's been several occasions now where my assistant principals have come to me and said that he's going to return to campus in a capacity, not necessarily uh, as a regular student, but near to campus. And I've had reactions that were unexpected. And I believe that's my anxiety reacting that I can't necessarily control where I just, I get a little agitated and it's very difficult to explain. So have you ever had a conversation with them? I haven't. No, I wouldn't be adverse to it, but I would like other people and support there if that were to happen, obviously. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, as you mentioned, you're not alone. I believe recent studies have showed 10% of all public school teachers were being threatened with injury by a student, and about 6% of them were reported being physically attacked from a student in their school. Uh, There is a new House Bill 7110, Enhancing Classroom Safety in School Climates. What are your thoughts on what could be different? You mentioned training a little bit in the beginning. Do you think that's something that's needed to help prepare teachers for events like this? Or do you think there's something bigger? I think it has to do a lot with how the sites handle it as well. I was just thinking how this was handled compared to how my administration would have handled it before this were completely different. I was very supported this time around. I was threatened directly threatened along with the female student abruptly where class was stopped by the previous administration and the female student was the one who was suspended and the male student was the one who was supported because he was a football star Mm. and I was reprimanded. 
and me and the female student were the one who were threatened. Wow. That's a sad story, but I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people who are listening. My whole point being that it, it, there's a whole nother, there's different levels to threatening, being attacked, whether it's being reported. It really starts at the site. It's going to then go to the district level. It's going to depend on, you know, do they want it reported that it's happening? Do you think teachers are afraid to report things like this because they don't know if they're going to get reprimanded or punished as well? It depends on their administration. It depends on how free they feel that they can speak. Do you feel that all teachers, no matter the incident, should be mandatory to report it? Or do you feel like it's just case by case, every situation's different? That's a good, that's a great question, Kelly. <laughs> I think it, it gets to a point because, you know, in the article it has a point where you have a kid, kindergartner who slaps a teacher on a wrist, that kindergartner grows to be 16 and slaps a teacher. The behavior is the same, that slap feels differently. Yes. What do you report? It's a good point. It's a good point. I think one of the alarming things is is the rate that this is happening in middle schools as well. And I'm not sure if we can really identify a root cause. Obviously, there's been a lot of change from the time that we've all went to school and, and what's being taught now. The way we're handling classroom, is it different? I'm sure there are people who feel that the old way is the right way, where you had less choice in the classroom and maybe there was more discipline. Do you think that had anything to do with it or do you see anything affecting this? Um, I definitely see the positive pedagogy definitely changing the classroom for the better. I wish... I really wish that student would have stuck it out and things had, would have gone differently. There were students first semester who acted up and asked to leave my class who regretted second semester leaving my class that later came and visited going, what are you guys doing today? Because my class was just outside all the time we were playing tug of war. We were, they were outside trying to get service on their cell phones. And they were like, what are you doing? I just, why are they outside on their cell phones? It's like, oh, they're, and I could totally justify the standard. As I hear your story and through everything that you went through, I'm seeing this new energized teacher that wants to take on new pedagogy and do uh, ways to get kids involved and have it student-driven. Can you explain? I mean, I can see it, but can you explain how that really happened? You've become a completely energized new teacher out of this. Uh, It's amazing. You know, I have to give snaps to 
Anna Savino, who is um, on Twitter. It's smile at Anna is her Twitter handle. And also Amy, uh, God, now I can't remember her last name. I'm terrible with names, but she was our superintendent here and she was fabulous, but they got me into Twitter a, a little over a year ago. And it was because of them getting me into Twitter initially and then just kind of opening my eyes to wanting to start. Well, I'm always looking into new ideas anyway, but it just really opened my eyes to just even more. But it really was the students that it always has, it always has been the students and them reaching, it was them reaching out. And then because they reached out, I wanted to reach back and that energizes you. And anybody who's not in teaching wouldn't understand. And then you wanna give them more. And when you want to give them more, it just, it energizes the room. And then the next thing you know, it's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. It sounds like you've gone from being the teacher to a partner in their learning. Oh yeah. I learn from my students all the, all the time. I'm fine. I'm learning new apps I'm learning new programs. I'm exploring with them all the time. I'm learning how they're showing me constantly, mm -hmm. all the time. We're learning together every day. Yeah, that's the best type of learning. And teachers who amplify that student voice, I mean, everything you're saying, Deb, today has just been amazing. I want to do a couple shout outs for you because I first read your blog on brianaspinall.com. The kids are all right. And obviously you can find Deborah on at Mrs. Hake 418. And we already gave a couple shout outs to Anna. I'll make sure that I put that in the show notes as well as your principal, Diane. And I believe you mentioned Amy. So I'll get that information from you and put it down there as well. There's also an article that I mentioned that talked a little bit about the bill and the House Act regarding class and safety. Thank you, David. Deb, thank you so much for being here. I'm just beyond humble that you guys asked me because, again, so many others are affected every day and some don't make it back to the classroom. And it's, you know, we're, we're missing out on a lot of good educators because of it. So thank you so much for listening and hearing my story.